1: hey everybody welcome 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 to another episode of facebook live q and a here we are ready to do
0: the damn thing i was like i can't hear anything
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right we're plugged in we're ready to rock and roll so um yeah off we go off to the races
0: there it is okay all right so We have a ton of questions left over from last time. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm.
1: And I hope we're all enjoying the sounds of wind chimes, uh, which are my wife's alarms, which she, in fact, we should cover that. We're doing a special Valentine's Day episode uh, today with Lisa and I, where I get to interview her and I'm going to ask her about her um, obsessive leaving of the phone. Like it's one as a guy, I really don't understand women and not the the no pockets thing. Can we can we talk about that? Like I mean, what we is can talk happening? about
0: it. It's just a lot of our clothes don't come with pockets. <laughs> there is a business but opportunity like, then there, we, I like, swear. Get really excited. Like when you when they first started making dresses with pockets, like I lost my shit because nice. it's amazing. Yeah, like you put your phone and like your lip gloss, and you still had like your little clutch. And I whoever came up with that, it. I am so so yeah. grateful to them. Because usually I like have to store everything and like. My bra. Yeah. Because there are it's, no pockets it's not a good look. It's not a good look. It's like so weird, so. All
1: right, so we have questions left over, which is yeah. very exciting.
0: So let's start um, with Francisco okay. B. from Facebook last week. Have Francisco. you considered creating an Impact Theory University master's degree program? Perhaps no. along the lines of Singularity University.
1: Wow. Um, I really haven't. And I wouldn't say, oddly enough, that formal education is my bag um and let me really reach into my soul and answer the question why um i think that there are people that are doing an amazing job MIT uh makes all their courses available online there are other places mm-hmm. Khan Academy uh that make courses available online many of them are are absolutely free and i think that the content that we're putting out really um is is me doing my best to give everything that i know away for free um and I guess so much of what I know has come from non-formal education. That that's just not where my head goes. Um, right. And if I could see a scalable business opportunity in there, um, really where I think the opportunity and the need, quite frankly, is in like high school. And there's a pretty exciting movement happening right now where people are saying we need to rethink high school. There are some pretty cool ads that I've seen online. Uh, So from a marketing perspective, I think they're doing a really good job of um, getting people to understand the problem better. They're basically showing like, here's what technology looked like in 1910. Here's what it looks like now. And it's, you know, like it goes from, you know, row after row of sewing machines and things uh, to like the large Hadron Collider, right? And you just get this visceral sense that, oh my God, like we have made so much progress. And then they show a classroom from 1910 and a classroom today. And they basically look the same, except one's black and white and one's in color and saying, you know, yeah. we really have to rethink education. Um, I just, I'm not the man to do it. Like that's the honest answer. I don't yeah. have a deep enough passion for it to get good at it and, and really become the best in the world. Um, so the short answer is no. But there's not.
0: someone out there who's going to do it, you know? All Indeed. right. So this one comes from Michael Foster. Um, Our what boy is, who we
1: can always count on for amazing stuff. What's up, Michael? That's true. It's always good so, to hear from you. So
0: what is your number one tool for building rapport with your guests?
1: Ooh, wow. Um, my number one tool is is actually quite easy. It's the uh, the intro. And the intro is representative of a lot, namely a lot of research. And I try to honor the guest, and I think in in showing them that I care enough about them to really dig in and understand who they are and um, reflect back. Like, here's something, man. If you want to beat me at my own game, let me give you the number one tip. You want to find the obscure things. It isn't the loop. It isn't the things that they're used to answering that's really going to get under their skin and make them feel understood, like mm-hmm. to be seen in the way, like in the um, the avatar way like of I see you. I see you. Um, it's it's never going to be the thing that what I call is their loop, right? That they get asked a thousand times in every interview mm-hmm. and they're so used to doing it that you can actually go on autopilot. Like, there are certain questions that people ask me I can do on autopilot. We're like halfway through the answer. I realize I'm talking you know, you're I'm like, whoa. Uh, so that's never <laughs> going to be the thing. It's going to be some obscure thing that they mention the way that they talk about it. And I'll have seen so many of their interviews uh, read so many articles and things that they've, they've written, I'll find like those little nuggets and I'll try to work them into, um, the intro so that they really feel seen. They really feel understood. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that, that more than anything. True, true. Hashtag truth.
0: Hashtag truth. Nice. All Always. right. So this one, so we have two questions from Dan bro. Dan bro for fitness. Oh, I know Dan bro very, yes. very well. All right, so also besides um, the books on your list, what books do you think are a must-read when setting up a company? And so when setting up impact theory, what was the hardest hurdle that you had to overcome? Setting up a business currently and the process is fun, tough, and new, things keep coming. Thanks for the awesome work.
1: Um, what are the books other than the ones on the list? Like those really are God. So I'm always reading and there's always new stuff that I'm, uh, excited to be adding to the arsenal, but those are the first 25 books you should read if you're trying to start a business. Um, that's exactly why I added them. Um, so I would say, God, I put so much effort into that book list. I really think at least right now in my own education is, is pretty complete. Um, what was the hardest thing about starting impact theory?
0: Like the biggest hurdle we had to overcome?
1: Um, It was really that we were starting back at zero and getting um, guests back on the show, I think was our the biggest the biggest hurdle on the show side Um, on the like business business side. It's it's very similar Meaning that we're starting from zero, but it, it's different in the way that you overcome it. So um, it was easy for us to point to what we had done at Inside Quest and get guests on and say, you know, look at what we've done and this is my interview style. And so people were pretty excited about um, coming on the show because they knew what the interview would be, even if it wasn't, um, you know, we didn't have huge subscriber numbers and stuff. They knew that they were going to get a good interview out of it. And Christopher is just a genius at getting people to really understand like what the experience is going to be like. Yeah. Um, so, but that was tough. And that I think Christopher had a lot of anxiety over that Dr. (laughs) Finesse uh, was a little tense um, about starting from scratch. But um, so that was tough. And then on the business side, it's getting people to see you in a new context. Right. So um, I was the protein bar guy. So going from being the protein bar guy to doing something completely different, getting people to understand my vision of wellness, getting people to understand um, you know what we're trying to do on the business side um, and how we're going to monetize it in the long run Um, because people understand incubators, they understand um, studios, but they don't understand that intersection. And so really getting people to understand that um, is, is an ongoing thing. And I actually take a lot of pride in the fact that people can't quite see what we're doing. And there's this awesome quote, um, you know, which is vision is hitting a target that other people can't even see. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and knowing like already the steps that we're taking that are moving us towards that and where I can see us being in, you know, 10 years is uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So yeah. but those are our hurdles
0: yes okay so the um, i'm gonna do one more from last week because we have a bunch of questions already in the comments nice. and i don't want to, anyone to feel neglected cool all right um so this one comes from john smith and stephen john every time i hear bun- your
1: name john it just sounds fake John Smith. Like, and I can sympathize, right? Because I have the most generic name of all time. The first name anyway. Yeah. But John Smith, man. That's, like a, that's a double whammy. So double whammy. John, I trust that your personality is so badass that uh, you could just go by John and people would be like, ask John Smith. Well, yeah. Respect.
0: So in Stephen Johnson's book, Where Good Ideas Come From, he speaks about the commonplace book. Do you journal or write when you read?
1: I definitely write when I read, I take notes. Um, uh, I take a lot more notes now that I do the book reviews, partly because I, it's not just for me anymore, which reading for me was always about gathering the thematics of things over time. So I'd read as many books as I could on a given subject and I would know that over enough time that I would really begin to understand, codify the big issues. Um, but now that I'm that specific book, like I'm trying to entice people, I'm trying to get them excited, I'm trying to present the big ideas from the book, um, I take a lot more notes now, which is actually great. It slows me down a little, which I find a little bit frustrating, but um, it's, it's much more retainable. Um, and I can go back and find those things again when I'm, you know, in conversation with somebody trying to remember, like, I, I have the gist, but I don't remember the actual specific. It's nice to be able to go back to my notes and, ah, yeah, here it is.
0: True. All right. This one, I think you're going to geek out about a little bit.
1: I'm excited already. So
0: this one's from Antonio O on Facebook. Could you expand more about the singularity?
1: Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. Um, I'm curious to know if he was here yesterday. So we went um, deep into the singularity. So here's how it goes. The singularity is a term borrowed from physics. And what it means is there's an event horizon to a black hole and a black hole um, distorts uh so much that we actually don't understand the physics inside of a black hole. Because we don't understand the physics inside the black hole, when you go over the event horizon, everything is unknown. And so that's called the singularity. Um why exactly they chose the word singularity, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if it's because uh, the you know pinpoint of a black hole is so infinitesimally small. Um, Maybe, but anyway, so you can't predict it. And so when um, Ray Kurzweil was trying to come up with a way of explaining that moment where technology is advancing so quickly that we can no longer predict um, what it will look like, he took that term. So, um, and it's actually become way more popular as a term in technology. I guess just because more people are interested in technology than black holes, which is maybe a little sad. Uh, but um, so that that was the idea that it's just technolo- technology advancing so rapidly that we can't begin to predict it. But despite that, I love talking about it. I love thinking about what will that really look like. And so I, admittedly, am applying. It's like any future movie that you look at. It's it's what the future looks like through the lens of that time period. Right. Um, so you know when you think about future movies that were created in Japan in the 80s, like Akira. And stuff like that. It was all um, nuclear-driven. It was about you know um, the, the the tragedy that they had experienced with the um, World War II Hiroshima, um, Nagasaki. So it that's what really informed those films. So it was really that time period looking into the future, and that's always the way that that movies about the future goes. So I'm well aware that all of my predictions and insights into what the technological singularity is going to look like is about what how humanity views itself now um and and i think that's going to rapidly change and i'm actually reading a book right now called evolving ourselves hmm. and oh man like originally i felt really really indulgent because i um impact theory is now taking up so much time between the content that we create and the business um side of things that um i i really try to read books that i think would be useful to the community because I'm always trying to maximize my efforts. So hey, if I'm going to be reading, read something that that not only is useful for me right now in the moment, but read something that I think the community that we're trying to build would find useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just could not help myself from starting this book, and it, it was meant to be my side chick, like it was meant to be the book that like I was also reading, uh, and then I would be reading something else that um, maybe more directly applied. And I've just gotten so sucked into its world that I've convinced myself that you guys are all going to love the book review that I'm going to do. I have no idea if anybody's going to find it interesting, <laughs> but this shit like. It is so fascinating to me. So I bring that up because it talks about the way, one of the ways that we're beginning to evolve ourselves in in a way, uh, a technological way that people don't think is technology. So think about this thing called CRISPR. Now, I didn't know how CRISPR came to be. It was one of those things like, so CRISPR allows you to edit DNA. Yeah, stop and think about that for a second. It lets you edit DNA, man. Okay. But it was found, like this is so interesting. It was found by the yogurt industry. Because the yogurt industry is always battling viruses attacking the bacteria that they use to create the um, yogurt. Yogurt is uh, an enzymatic process. So they're always trying to combat these viruses that come in and and end up, you know, decimating their bacteria populations. And so they're looking at these things with, uh, I would assume, some very high-powered microscope, and they realize that um, bacteria in their um, own genetic code, they have this thing that's basically a snapshot of the virus that tried to attack it before so okay. they have they ha- they actually like carry the sequence of the the virus in it um so that they know what it looks like and then they have this thing called CRISPR, and CRISPR goes around and looks for that sequence and then it will cut that sequence because that's how viruses work right they insert themselves into your dna strand that's why they're so tricky so and it would go in and cut out the virus and then either put junk dna in its place so just like random letters yeah um or some benign piece of code And so they thought, wait a second. Like, if what it's doing is looking at a picture, right? A picture. Let's Mm -hmm. know that I'm doing air quotes for anybody who's listening to this. Not really a picture, but it's a snapshot of the the code. Um, If that's what it's doing, like, we could tell it, hey, look for this and cut this out. So we could say, look for um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And cut that out look for hiv and cut that well they they've used it on hiv by the way and they've eradicated hiv from cells i don't know that they've eradicated it from a like a whole human mm-hmm. but they can eradicate hiv from cells with crispr so going crazy. in and editing out the dna so this you're right i'm totally geeking out on this this is all coming back to the question <laughs> about the singularity but like Everyone's this like is <laughs> this is where you you begin to see like people right now hearing that couldn't have predicted that, right? Yeah. Like we couldn't predict that the yogurt industry is going to find this thing that allows you to actually, that it allows a biological thing to go in, a biological process to go in and cut out a strand of DNA and replace mm-hmm. it, right? Like we could, I couldn't have imagined that. And I think about this shit all day. So I've got to imagine most people couldn't see that. So, and that's like some minor point. Like what happens now when technology is like, so uh, I think it's by 20 I'm going to make this up. It's somewhere between 2029 and like 2035. Okay. I think it's 29. So let's pretend that it's 2029. Of- you can look it up. Ray Kurzweil prediction, 89 of his pr- 89% of his predictions have come true. Um, but he said by 2029, I believe that um, the computers will be, um, one computer will have the um, processing power of the entire human race. Okay. Like think about the entire human race all yeah. at once thinking about one problem. Like we've all met that cat who's like super smart. And you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, like this is crazy. Yeah. Now imagine 7 billion people thinking about one problem at one time. Like it's just crazy. Like the, the amount of data that you can crunch and process. And um, at, at that point, like what everything is pattern recognition, right? So all the things that we like, there's just so many variables. So we all write it off. I need to wrap this fucking question up. You've got to be careful asking me questions like this. I love this shit so much. So, you know, it, it, there's, it's pattern recognition. So we write things off saying like, okay, there's just too many variables, right? Butterfly effect, we can't predict it. But it, when you have something that has the processing power of the entire human race aimed at one problem, suddenly every pattern that you could possibly imagine becomes transparent. So that, that's how this stuff, you know, CRISPR becomes like a, a minor side note when you've got something like that. Mic drop. Move on. Don't, don't get me started on this. Trip.
0: <laughs> All right. So this one comes from Chris Welsh. Um, what is the cognitive bias you've overcome the most, and how? Or yeah, what cognitive bias have you overcome the most, and how?
1: Ooh, um, I, I I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure. I've never thought deeply in terms of. Um, because there are real cognitive biases, like they, they've been listed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any answer I give would be so thin on the truth of the actual cognitive biases. The focus for me has always been emotional control. And so that's the thing that I've always dealt with is really coming to understand that my emotions are merely suggestions from my nervous system, and I can ignore them. Um, and, and that's really been the, the main thing. But some cognitive biases, like the sunk cost fallacy, where it's like, Um, I like this mic setup makes me want to punch somebody you have no idea how much time we lose to this uh, but we spend a lot of money on it so I for 20 minutes on every episode, I'm fucking over here fiddling with this damn thing, I'm trying to get it right because it's like, oh, God, like it'd be so expensive. like It'd be such a waste of money. So why don't we just use it for like another six months, and then I'll feel like it's paid off. That doesn't make any sense, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's a sunk costs fallacy. You see people doing the same thing in poker where they double down because it's like, well, I'm pot committed now. Well, it's like, now you're just going to lose more money, dumbass. So better to cut your losses and just switch to the right strategy rather than think you have to somehow make good on mm-hmm. what you've spent. Um, that's a great one. Uh, one that's ironic that if you saw, like, uh, let's say there was a $100 watch and you could buy that $100 watch um, at, you know, one store or drive an extra 20 minutes uh, to save $20, most people will do that, right? So mm-hmm. it's $100 here. It's only 80 there. They're going to go to the place where it's $80. Uh, but if you were negotiating on a car and I said that you could save even $100 on the car by driving an extra 20 minutes, people would be like, I would never do that. Why? Like it's it's a hundred dollars. Like a minute ago, because you know it all be, it becomes yeah, the percentage like the of the total cost of the product, of it. but it actually doesn't make sense. Like it's not a relative amount of money. It's their absolute dollars. Twenty dollars is an absolute amount of money. Right. Hundred dollars is an absolute amount of money, and yet in one instance, because of the relative. Dollar amount, you'd be willing to drive an extra 20 miles or 20 minutes than you would, even if it was a hundred bucks or, you know, even with a car, like maybe even a thousand dollars. So it's, it's pretty crazy. All, those, those are the kinds of things people are talking about when they talk about cognitive biases. Um, I don't spend a lot of time, um, analyzing, like I'm well aware that I really would drive, you know, an extra 20 minutes to save the 20 bucks. I, I know it's stupid. I know it's funny, but it feels right. It feels and since my world is emotion and that's what I deal with, eh, it makes sense to me. Steer by your, Steer by your emotions when they do something useful. How about that?
0: Valid. So valid. I'm that person who does that too.
1: Everybody does. you know. not All alone. right.
0: So this one comes from Lori. Do you ever get any flack for swearing? I'm a huge proponent of the F-bomb, especially when I'm passionate about what I'm talking about. Have you wrestled with the idea of stopping? And how do you just address the judges?
1: Um, so I, I don't give a shit um, about the judges is the honest answer. Um, yes, I take flack for it. Yes, it will hold me back in certain areas, but it will propel me forward in others. Um, so the idea of trying to be all things to all people, I think, is a real mistake. I think you need to look inside yourself and, and know who you are, what feels right, what feels good, what's true to your identity, and then be that. Um, that doesn't mean I don't tone it back sometimes. Like I judge my audience, and um, if I feel like you know they might be really sensitive, I'll either not do it at all or I'll really dial it back. Um, also why am I doing the talk? So if I'm really doing the talk for other people, um, and it's, you know, in some ways, a, a philanthropic thing that I'm doing, then I really think about like, okay, you know, what's meaningful here. Like if you invite me to speak to a grade school, there would be zero swearing, right? No swearing. The only reason I would go to a grade school though, is if it felt like there was a philanthropic reason to do it. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm putting myself in the shoes, but to me, it's like, it is, its the fact that people will complain about swearing is why I swear, right? It is the very fact that those words slap people awake, that they get your attention, that they right. rub some people the wrong way, that they like they have electricity. Like there are so few words that have electricity and the ability to impact people. Like to fully remove them. Actually, I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you for fully removing them from your vocabulary. Because if you didn't, if you didn't try to tell people that I was dumb because I use them, they wouldn't carry weight. Like they wouldn't be that tool in the arsenal that I need. And here's the thing, when I swear, nine times out of ten, it is the only thing that feels good in that moment. It's the only thing that gives you that release, yeah. right? So yeah, it it man, those words exist for a reason and I use them. I love them. They're beautiful.
0: I curse a lot too. Hashtag um, respect. It's like eh. I've tried to like eliminate it a little bit, but for the most part, I like really can't. But I try and watch it around kids. I'm not around that many kids. So yeah, you and me both. I'll forget. All right, so this one comes from Vaughn Carter. Um, that's loving a dope the name. new.
1: I want to, I don't know why okay. I'm on names today. Yeah. But that's a dope name, Vaughn Carter. Vaughn Carter. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So loving the new format, Tom. Thanks for the awesome value. Thank you. Um, in research, I'm coming across more and more evidence that links digestive health with psychology and mental health. If mindset is everything, then shouldn't we look at digestive Digestive slash metabolic factors as part of this equation.
1: Man, Vaughn, Vaughn, you're going deep on me. Um, yes, in no uncertain terms, and this is this is the next wave of science. And this book, Evolving Ourselves, goes super deep into this. Um, and I think about this a lot because my wife has struggled very profoundly, um, with microbiome, um, and just seeing how, how much it can literally put your life on hold, like for almost a year, right, baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, our lives were on, even mine, like I wasn't suffering from it, but when you're in a relationship like that, it's, you're so interlocked that for a year I felt like we were on pause and. And it was microbiome and by going into the microbiome, really researching it, understanding it, working with people that understood the microbiome and working like we got back to a better place. But it's still like it's not perfect. Um, And and so there's the book Evolving Ourselves talks about there's actually four. Oh, God, what do they call them? I actually have the note, but we're using my phone to record. Otherwise, I would look it up. Uh, but there's four categories. I forget the name for it. I'll punch myself in the mouth for that later. Um, and so you've got your core DNA. You've got your, um, God, what do they call it? Epibiome. That's not the word, but it's basically the the universe created out of epigenetics. And then you've got the microbiome, and you've got the viome, which I had never heard of, which is your the um, the equivalent of the microbiome in viruses, right? You actually have more viruses in your body mm. than um mm. bacteria. Like everybody talks about how much bacteria you have yeah. in your body. Like it's it's something like 10 times more viruses. 8% of, of um, core human DNA is made of virus. Like, how dope is that? Anyway, <laughs> I won't go back down that <laughs> rabbit hole, but it is it is really, really um super interesting. Yes, the answer is it is totally misunderstood. Uh, we need to understand it until we get a grip on that. We're really going to be in trouble. And the next wave of mistakes, as we found with antibiotics, you can overdo it. You can overwash your hands, all that stuff. And that one of the reasons kids eat dirt, who would have known, right? You're like sucking up, uh, bacteria. That's
0: how you build immune system. Right. So it's actually
1: good that kids are eating stuff off the ground. The bad news is though, right? That nature is like totally happy to kill a whole bunch of people off. Right. We're the ones freaked out by that. But, like, nature's like, oh, if, if you're a too weak kid, when you eat this bacteria, you should be dead, right?
0: Okay. Hey, So nature doesn't give a <laughs> shit.
1: So it's, it is so fascinating to see, like, as humans begin to take control of this stuff, mm-hmm. like, we now place ethical judgments on it, right? So if you yeah. see somebody, like, as I'm sitting here saying, oh, kids should eat dirt, all I'm thinking about is the kid in the grocery store who's, like, picking things out the ground. <laughs> oh, God. Like, that freaks me out on a level that I can't tell even though I know. Because nature doesn't care if one out of every 10 kids just dies there on the floor from like E. coli, right? Nature doesn't care. Yeah. So, but as humans, I care, right? Like right. I don't want that to happen. But anyway, so it's Absolutely. fascinating. We don't understand it. Must understand it. There's huge business opportunities. If anybody out there right now is watching this and you're a meaningful entrepreneur, uh, you're at that stage and you're fucking around with the, the biome or the viome, like I want to know about you. Uh, so right in. Um, in fact, the first company that we're going to fully explore, I won't say that we're going to um, back it yet because I don't know if it's real. But the first company that Impact Theory is going to fully explore is a medical device company. Um, so, hey, like we're in that world, man. So yeah. if you're for real and you're studying this, like I can
0: help. Yeah. Yeah. Just FYI, I was that kid who always put everything like in her mouth. Dude, it's it. It. it's a thing. Like that's what like, and, like you're literally programmed for it. I have the best s- immune system of like the rest of my siblings, so Eat it worked that dirt. out. Eat that dirt. Worked out, guys. All right, so <laughs> this one comes from Brian. How important is self-awareness to success and should one work on developing their weaknesses or should you just go all in on your strengths?
1: Yeah, this is like almost an Internet meme at this point. Like this is the Internet is obsessed with this question right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It as with all things, it's a little of column A and a little of column B. Um, so you, you have to have self-awareness and the most terrifying thing I think for any of us and only people with self-awareness are asking this question, by the way. So if you're even asking that question is because you have a modicum of self-awareness, you should feed that. You should really look at yourself, but here's the thing. You must understand this. You must understand this. Jesus Christ, people listen to this. The human mind is wired for adaptation. It is an adaptation machine. That's it. So yes, there are certain skills that you have a natural bias to acquire those skills more rapidly. So the amount of energy and effort that you put into certain things based on your skill set, they will yield higher return. Okay. So now if you want to do something that aligns with that skill set, that's, that's amazing. Like you'll get high returns. It'll be incredible. But when you were born, you couldn't walk, you couldn't speak, none of it. And you applied yourself and you figured it out. And the exact same thing will hold true your entire life. So if there's something that you want to do that you have the passion to acquire those skills, acquire them. And then, yeah, leverage the things you're good at. I am highly verbal, right? I, not only did I get early um, big returns in that, right? So when I say that, hey, I'm the result of hard work and I didn't show um, natural talents and things as a kid, don't, like, let's not get it twisted, when i started applying myself to speaking and things like that like whoa that was where i got i just got the chills thinking about it that's Mm -hmm. where i started getting my early returns right Right. so my sister got them by playing basketball and sports i did not i was just awkward not motivated like i didn't get early returns there Um, when i found speech and debate i started getting early returns so i started really applying myself there so um i but then basically 30%, maybe 50% of the stuff that I really apply myself. Reading. Reading did not come naturally to me. Not at all. And that has been something that is maybe the single largest contributor to my success. So um, it's a fool's errand to pick a binary. Decide what impact you want to have on the world, what you want to contribute to, what makes you feel most alive. And if the thing that makes you feel most alive is not something that you get early returns, double down and work your ass off. Like your brain will adapt. That's what its job is. I could keep going, but I'll disciplined, I'll stop. (laughs)
0: All right. So this one comes from Molly. Um, Tom, could you offer any advice to a college student in search of self-improvement? So podcasts, books, actual work in an environment where people aren't necessarily giving a shit about those same things.
1: Oh man, what, um, what a blessing. So let's play an intellectual game right now. All things being equal, I would tell you to surround yourself with people that are going to empower you, that think like you think. You should seek those people out when you find them, grab them, hold on to them. Mm -hmm. Now if I find myself in an environment where the people aren't like that, then I begin to tell myself a narrative about being exceptional, about being different, about being able to understand what my goals are, where I'm trying to go, and that I'm willing to work towards that even though I'm surrounded by automatons who don't think that way. And that actually can be very empowering. It's super judgmental, and you have to be really fucking careful not to close yourself off to the amazing people that probably are hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, not to um, be afraid to like, tell people what you're about because I just, I guarantee either there are people there that will awaken. Like when you begin to be that light and that beautiful thing, like they will come and they will gravitate towards you. But for whatever reason, if you find yourself around people that are just trying to tear you down, they truly are detrimental and you just can't get out of that scenario. Like you've got to flip a switch and just begin to tell yourself a narrative about that's what you do. Despite the fact that people are trying to attack you, despite the fact that they're trying to hold you back, like you just rise up and you keep doing what makes sense. And you're focused on your goals. Like. To me, it's either change scenario or change narrative or both, but there's always a solution. You're never a victim. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com impacttheory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, hel com slash impacttheory. and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Truth.
0: Hashtag truth. All right. So this is an accountability question from Antonio O. Nice. Um, What have you done to get those Nike shoes with your name brand on them lately?
1: So I mean, this this is the strategy that um, goes for anything that you're trying to do. You need to find a way that you can add value. So it's identifying the key players, who are they? It's identifying what they need and how you can be useful um, and then doing that. And then if I'm honest, I'm now banking on relationships that I've been building for a very long time. Um, building them just because I like them and they're great people and I want to develop a real, authentic relationship with them. Like the guy that started, that that's probably taken me the highest in Nike, um, he's just a good dude. Like I had no idea that he had any connections whatsoever to Nike and we were talking about something else and it came up and I was like, oh yeah, I'm actually trying to be the first entrepreneur with his own Nike shoe. And he's like, oh my God, like I happen to know this guy. Um, but he's just my boy, right? Yeah. So it's like, there's people that you connect with, you click with, you like, you maintain those relationships. Um, make friends before you need them. That That is really like, let that be one of your life's mantras. Like I think that a lot because I am so um, uh, introverted and my instinct is always to spend every conceivable moment with my wife. Um, I don't think people really understand like how much I revolve around my wife. I don't think they get that. And like... <laughs> no 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 but for real like there there is a like there is an alternate universe where my wife and I are wildly impoverished um we're like food stamping it we live in a studio apartment um in like a really dodgy neighborhood so we can just like cuddle like for real (laughs) and talk like my wife and I just we talk and she's indulgent when I go on a tangent about uh the singularity very indulgent um, so yeah, like that, yeah, that is, um, that's a thing. That's a thing.
0: That's so cute. Is it? It's kind of cute.
1: Yeah. It's cute for me, maybe. I'm not sure it's cute for the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure that I, I tied that all back together. Ask me the question again. I want to make sure I answered it.
0: Um, where was the question? Shit. Where'd it go? Uh, oh, the Nike shoes, man. Yeah. So I think that's the long <laughs> enough
1: Fans on that. So yeah, <laughs> But make friends before you need them. That was the thing. I, I force myself out of the house.
0: Yeah, he does, actually. To connect with people. All right. So this one comes from Chris. So his girlfriend is going through a demotion at work, and he's seen, and he's seen her outlook take an absolute 180. Um, she's still fine. Her pay is still the same, but mm-hmm. she's lost her baby, and it's very down and bitter, which spills into her everyday life now. I've tried inspiring a different outlook. Can you give me any advice on what she could try?
1: So whenever something bad happens and it is inevitable, it will happen to all of us, um, there's one question that should immediately pull you out of it. Two, really. One, does being negative serve you? If it does, then be negative. But I have yet to encounter a situation where for anything more than, say, 10 or 15 minutes while I kick myself in the ass to make sure that I'm moving, focusing on the negative is, is just never, ever useful for more than 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and then the other question is, um, how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me? And really think about that. Like, and and oh god, I want I want people to know how true this is, and I wish I had said it out loud because it would have been the second time in this interview for whatever random reason that it's happened, where someone leads with like something really bad has happened, and my instinct, my gut instinct is awesome, awesome. And Cindy will vouch for this. You've seen me go through something really traumatic, true? True. All right. How did I react? in that like that day that moment right then and there
0: he was like all right this is perfect like it's time for me to get into action and like
1: hundred percent and that's that's just training right that is yeah. my natural inclination is to cry in the corner right like yeah. that's where everybody wants to go and so I get that same rush of like oh fuck right where you just feel yourself going flush like "Whoa, this mm-hmm. thing is so bad and I force myself to ask and answer the question, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? And when you right. start, fo- you get what you focus on. Mm-hmm. Okay? You get what you focus on. So if you focus on being demoted, you're going to feel demoted. If you focus on how this makes you feel like less of a person, less talented, less gifted, less successful, then that, that will become real. Like you will be less of yourself. You will be less effective because mm-hmm. every thought that you have goes through that negative filter first. It's like fucking trying to, you know, climb up from the depths of the ocean to get a a gasp of air. And if every thought starts with that long swim to the surface, like just never going to be effective. So you've got to ask and answer the question, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? I promise you it is because like Tony Robbins said, I'm unstoppable because I decide I am right. Like really think I'm unstoppable because I decide I am. That's it. That, that is the thing that makes you unstoppable. You fucking decide you are. And therefore, when something hits you, you go, well, I'm not going to stop because I'm motherfucking unstoppable. Yeah. And you just keep pushing forward. And so you've, you've got to ask yourself, how's this the best thing? So let me tell you, your woman got demoted. Fuck yeah. Because they pointed out something that was a hole in her game. Awesome. Now she knows where the weakness lies. Or they're tyrannical assholes, which, by the way, is almost certainly not true. But even if that is the case, oh my God, thank God I now see that they're tyrannical assholes that I need to make a radical, you know, change. Let me really turn inward, self-assess. What do I really want to be doing? Maybe this wasn't it. Or he said, you know, this is her baby. She lost her baby. Fantastic. What do we learn from this? It's a hole in my game. I've got to I've got to shore it up. Like now All I right. know what skill set I need to acquire. I'm gonna go out and get that. Because here's the thing, I was just thinking about this in the shower. Hashtag shower thoughts. thoughts. Just today, <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that people look at themselves as if right now today is the end of their personal evolution. Like, Hey, this is it. I'm the, the math equation equals and it's me today. Right. But what you have to realize is that's not true. Like you've got to look at yourself on a much larger timeline and you're in the middle, right? You're just in the middle right now. So maybe you lost your baby today. Maybe this is a crushing defeat at work, but you're, you're going to learn. You're going to mm-hmm. keep growing. You're going to get better. You're going to push forward. You're going to move on. You're going to go and do amazing things. But now that you have that insight that you need to know what part of your skill set is underdeveloped, it's not being valued, whatever it's not, people don't see it. There's something wrong with the way that you're treating people. Whatever the case may be, now you know. And now you can improve.
0: Absolutely. And, and look, it.
1: I am well aware that some people still aren't going to embrace that and they're still just going to insist on being in a negative place. It's a bad life strategy, man. Just no two ways about it. It's a bad life strategy.
0: That's true. It doesn't really serve you that, that yeah. well. Yeah. You can give yourself a moment if you need it, you know? 100%. In
1: fact, set an amount of time.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Okay, I got demoted. How much time do I have? <clears throat> For me, if I, I've always done this. If I were um, you know, turned into a quadriplegic today, how much time do I get to mourn? The answer is four weeks. Four weeks. I get four weeks. After that, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? Moving forward. So anything less than that, like, you got to shorten that shit.
0: Right. Huh. That's like a good way to work backwards on that. All right. So this one comes from Ethan Smalley. Have you read the book um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? I have. That's it? <laughs> That's it. That I was all the it. question.
1: <laughs> um, it's okay.
0: Yeah? Okay. Like, you've
1: already got it. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is people, Right. they're not going to hold you back, right? So to me that it was an essay, it was maybe a tweet, I don't know, it needed to be a whole book. Uh, mm, okay. I say that, watch, we're going to have him on the show one day and he's going to be fucking amazing. But the book was... Um,
0: right. But it's like delivering the message in various ways for people to be able to digest yeah. it. So it's like, if it didn't resonate fully with you, it probably resonated like super hard. With yeah, I think, else, I think the book's done really well. And so it's like, you know. Very fair. All right, so this one comes from Masha. Hey, Tom, in the book Relentless, Tim says that if you have the vision and passion, you should follow it, and it doesn't matter what other people say or think. If they don't get it, then they don't. But what if the people you care about don't get it or have different plans for you? How do you show those that you love them um, if they tell you that you can't do it? um, It means that you don't love them.
1: How do you love a hater, right? Yeah. Like we're just going to sum it up. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, I like to put it in perspective. People, if they really are somebody that cares about you and they don't want to see you pursue that, um, they're being protective, right? Almost certainly. Like nine times out of ten, either you've triggered an insecurity in them. And so they're jealous, they're whatever, um, which we'll deal with that in a second. Or two, they really want to protect you. They care about you and they don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see you fail. They, you know, whatever. Um, But you can't let that hold you back. And so I think it comes from showing affection. Like you can show somebody affection as they are hating on you, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you can rise above like whatever, um, being honest with them and... um, you know, telling them how you think and and what you feel and, but that you love them and, you know, you don't have to agree on this and being affectionate, not withholding um, kind words or being supportive of them. You know, I mean, look, most people in my life have thought routinely that the things that I'm doing are crazy. They don't make sense. They're worried that I'm going to fail all of that. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not afraid. Of losing, right? And so if I'm not afraid, they shouldn't be tense, but just don't withhold your love. That's my answer. Don't withhold your love and and don't listen, you know, at the same time. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give an example from my own life. Um, so my father-in-law who has always been incredibly kind to me, uh, did not want me to marry his daughter, (laughs) but by the way, still being kind, just, um, eh, maybe he had his doubts. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so I told him, I said, you know, I, cause I really respect him, respected and then respect him. Now he's just an incredible, incredible human being. And I said, look, I respect that. You don't want me to marry your daughter. Totally get that. Uh, full disclosure, I will be asking your daughter to marry me in the next day or two. Uh, so I just want to float that out there and you just have to have the guts to simultaneously be respectful, show love and totally ignore them.
0: All right. All right. And don't forget that if you share this live feed, you'll be entered to win a copy of anything on Tom's reading list.
1: Did Jared just ping you?
0: No, it's it's like on there. It's been on there and I haven't really like. I can't believe attention I didn't even think it. And about I completely it. forgot. You know I'm like, we're 40 yeah, minutes in. It's terrible. All right.
1: It's terrible. Sorry, guys.
0: Yeah. But, you know, do it. It'll be awesome. Um, so this one comes from Anna. Anna Mena. Um, which I completely forgot to kick off with this one. It's a really great question. Um, So I'm really excited and happy about the new mythology that you're going to create. What are your thoughts on new um, female superheroes? One, have you heard about the Bechdel test? As a woman, I love superheroes, but female superheroes are really misrepresented, and I really hate that. Have you heard about the Gina Davis program? And if um, she can see it, she can be it. So that's like a separate question we can address, but like start with the female superhero.
1: Yeah. So um, my wife is behind the camera right now, literally celebrating. This question is amazing, by the way. And oddly enough, as a guy, a white guy at that, um, I'm super excited to bring um, people of color, uh, women, and really show them like in a just a raw, real um, way. And our first wave of superheroes are going to be people without powers. And I think that's really important. Um, I love st- like true superhero mythology, so there'll be plenty of that as well. And mm-hmm. I think that actually having them in the same universe would be very, very interesting. Um, You know, what happens when it's like Superman and Batman? What happens when people without powers collide with people that have powers? And and how do they deal with each other? Um, I think is is a really great um, way for mythology to deal with things like intelligence. Right. So um, when you've got a world full of superheroes, we'll call them the Elon Musk's of the world, the Steve Jobs, of the world, the people that you're tempted to say, well, They're super, they're special, and therefore I'm off the hook and I don't have to compete at that level. And it'd be great to show people that, you know, like Batman, that holds himself to the same standard. And he realizes he has to outthink Superman in in order, you know, should there ever be a collision, which of course in Batman v Superman there is. And you get to see like how um, he had been preparing for that. So that kind of stuff is interesting. But anyway, back to females. Um. I uh, so one will will have very strong uh, women, which I I am a huge believer that while there are um, differences neurologically in the way that they're wired in terms of potential, I don't think that men or women have more potential. Um, I think there are fascinating differences. Like when we had Amelia Boone on the show, which that episode hasn't launched yet, right? No, uh, you guys are gonna love it though. So Amelia Boone is an obstacle course racer. Um, she's three times finished this thing called the Death Race. They don't tell you how. Long Long it's going to last sometimes it's like up to 72 hours um they don't give you water you die without water in three days like just to put this shit in context mm-hmm. um and they have you do the most absurd stuff in either extreme heat or extreme cold and it's ridiculous and she's finished it three times it it breaks like navy seals and just the marines and all kinds of people they just can't do it and this woman is unbelievable and she said that the longer the race the longer the race the better women do And not like from a, hey, I have a hypothesis, like just looking at the stats, the longer the race, the better women do. So I find that incredibly interesting. And I think that they may have, maybe it is um, a genetically hardwired thing to be able to deal with suffering because of childbirth and all that. Don't know. Um, But it's just incredibly, incredibly interesting. And I think that mythology is such a powerful way to begin to explore all of that. So yes, we're going to have that. Um, I am vaguely familiar with the Gina Davis project. Uh, which I came across when I was researching um, Jessica O. Matthews, who's another strong female that you guys are going to love. She is a real-life superhero. They call her the real-life Riri Williams. And if they don't, I do. Uh, (laughs) And And people uh, will. Yeah, so that – she's amazing. So, yep, going to do that. And then um, I'm assuming when you say you don't like the way that females are portrayed, we're talking about the highly sexualized um, way that they're often drawn – um, I'll, I'll have to follow the female lead on this one. Like I'm, I can't help but look at the world and see that women enjoy, um, looking and feeling sexy. So uh, to me, that's a very real thing. Um, mm-hmm. but if women feel, um, you know, demoralized or objectified, uh, I, I don't need to contribute to that, but I don't want to pretend that women don't like to be sexy. So, um, but yeah. So,
0: yeah, but it's usually stemming from the idea that like they can't, be like fully formed beings. Yeah, so like that's if you think ridiculous. about like Harley Quinn, like even in the newest movie, uh, what was it? Suicide Squad? Mm-hmm. Like she really didn't have a storyline. She was just kind of there none to of be them like, did. I know none of them did, but like her powers and like her storyline centered around her love for like. Yeah, that's fair. And so it's just, she was just kind of throwaway. Yeah,
1: we need some badass chicks who stand on their own, who are not in skin tight outfits. Like absolutely, no question. Have to yeah. and if that's what they mean by i can see it i can be it yeah we need like some we need some scientist women that don't give a shit about how they look because not everybody does like you know i mean we need to we need to represent we need anything that's going to inspire people like powerful women inspire me right because right there's an element of the underdog especially in the superhero genre where it's largely physicality to see like how does a woman deal with that um, how does she even the playing field? You know, I, I, think that there's a lot of really interesting things to explore because look, I'm not six, five, I'm not 320 pounds of muscle. So it's like, you know, I dig it. I want to be inspired by stuff like that too.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, all right. And don't forget that there's a giveaway going on in the comments right now. Um, so share your favorite content series from impact theory and you get the chance to also win a book. Yes. Yes, a
1: life-changing book.
0: Yes, off the top twenty-five, and someone had asked, um, "What what criteria do you use to like? Did you use to create this list of the top 25?
1: Impact on my life, um, usability. So it, here's one thing that um, I I do fear <laughs> Yeah, that, this one so, comes from Jen. Sorry. Okay, so Jen, um, having run businesses you're living in a no-bullshit world of either something is generating revenue or it's not Uh, profitability is real Um, making sure that you know people have a job when they show up the next day like all of that stuff is very very real excuse me and it creates um a lot of clarity in your thinking because the only way that your company is going to stay alive is if you make choices that actually have um, real world um, advantageous results so i'm I put on that list the books that helped me develop the skill set that I needed to do that, to execute. And so the books have a massive bias towards action, towards understanding oneself, um, towards executing I have one book on there which is Lynchpin, which is for people that don't want to start their own business I think ninety nine percent of what's out there um, applies uh, when it's good applies whether you're trying to be a better parent or you're trying to be uh, you know a traditional entrepreneur. Uh, but Lynchpin is specifically for people who have no interest in starting a business and want to know how the mindset applies to being really great in somebody else's company. Um, so but it's all stuff that works. It's all stuff that's real, and that's the criteria that I held it all to.
0: Cool, that's a good one. All right. Um, so this one actually comes from Sophia from last week. So we were talking about goal setting and everything. So she said, why can't you build up towards the goal instead of reverse engineering from like the endpoint backwards?
1: Um, well, I'll rephrase the question, so why can't you um, just start now and sort of see where things take you? Because if you don't begin with the end in mind, you are literally doing that. You are sort of waffling about and hoping mm-hmm. that it ends up somewhere and, and you know, maybe garnering a random skill. And the easiest way I can explain that is to say, if you tell me that you want to win a gold in the Olympics and you've got a tennis racket and you're out there just practicing, 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 then I'm like, well, do you want to win a gold in tennis? Because if you want to win a gold in swimming, what you're doing right now does not make any sense. So you really have to begin with the end in mind. You have to know, like, what sport, not only what sport, like, so, or genre, like, if it's swimming, what event in swimming, right? Because that's going to determine how you train. And people get it when it's in the physical world. Like, if you're trying to be the next Kobe Bryant and you've got shoulder pads on, like, that doesn't make any sense. So you need to know what the end goal is and work your way backwards from there to make sure that you're just really efficient, and hyper-efficiency is the key. We all have the same number of hours in the day, so the only way that any one person shines more than the other is by using that time more efficiently. And if you don't know what you're trying to get to, you won't be efficient with your skill acquisition. You just won't.
0: True. All right, so this one comes from Sindri. Sindri? Um, What would you tell your 21-year-old self?
1: To stop having a fixed mindset. That that was the the problem of my youth up until I was probably I'm looking at my wife here 25, 26 ish um, was really when I just um, I had my emotional epiphany that I um, was telling everybody I wanted to get rich. But I was acting and acting like somebody who wanted to feel good about himself. Um, And I then realized that you have to like whatever you're doing, it has to make you feel good about you and that that was so critical that it trumped my desire to get rich. And the reason I wanted to get rich was because I thought it would make me feel good about myself. And so finally putting all that together and then realizing that you can change what you build your sense of pride around. And once I realized that, that I had been um, priding myself on being smart, on being good, that um, good at something, that uh, it, it was just about putting myself in situations where I could prove that I was smart. And that was such an ineffective strategy. But by doing that, because I prided myself on being smart, by putting myself around people who were not as smart as me, it felt awesome. And that's what people have to be really real with, right? Like feeling, being right feels awesome, right? Can we agree? Yeah. yeah that shit feels good. Like There's mm-hmm. no two ways about it. Um, so you have to be really, really careful about what you build your self-esteem around. So I switched mine from focusing on being right to... Um, identifying the right answer because that was the thing that was going to actually allow me to get rich and i've since switched and you know obviously getting wealthy is not my primary focus um i understand the power of money and trust me i'm all about it and commerce is hugely important it just i have a whole another diatribe about that and how focusing on money will will actually get you less money um but that that was just a, a huge switch so i would you know shave years off my life by pointing that out much earlier
0: do you think your twenty-one-year-old self would have listened? Though,
1: can we can we do? <laughs> my wife is saying no, but I was gonna say, can we do um, shower more shower thoughts? So yeah. this is something that I've thought a distressing amount about. Like if I were to go back in time and confront mm-hmm. myself, how would I convince myself that it was really me? Right. Like, so, but there are ways, right? Because there's things only you know, and yeah. like, so I'm convinced. That because my powers of persuasion are so good that I could convince myself that it really was me, and then yes, despite what my wife uh, will rightly tell you, I think I could convince myself. Like, yes, I would listen.
0: All right, I feel like you're giving yourself the benefit on that one. <laughs> like you're 21. Like, do you listen to anybody? I like thought about it. Like, um, I was. If you said at
1: 16, I didn't listen to anyone mm-hmm. for sure. Um, at 18, I was probably still a little arrogant, but when I went to college, that everything became real for me, and I, mm-hmm. I became very goal-oriented at that point because I wanted to get into film school, and I wanted mm-hmm. to get my three-picture deal, and... And at that point, like there's no bullshitting. Like I got to film school and they're like, asshole, what are you doing? Like you can't just roll up and think you're going to get into film school. Like it you're, their whole stat was you're more likely to get into Harvard Law than you are at USC film school. So what are you doing? Stop taking film classes. You have to be realistic. You're going to get something else. And so I was like, uh, wait a second. Like my whole life has been building up to getting into film school. Like this is my everything. Now I was wrong um, about You can fail a thousand times and still pick yourself up. If you execute properly and deliver results, you're going to get wherever you want to go. And if you're not getting where you want to go, it's because you're not delivering results. But I digress. So I knew that I had to get in. Everything became results oriented. I would have listened to people at that point. So if I came after that point and could show how, hey, if you listen to this, you'll achieve your goals, I think I would have done it.
0: Okay. I guess I'll give it to you. All right. (laughs) Thank you. So this one um, comes from Ian Pettit sounds. Oh boy. Um, what do you mean when you say you want to find the next 1000 Elon Musk? In other words, what char- characteristics will these people have? And how will you know you've found the real deal?
1: Uh, we'll know we found the real deal because the world will be fundamentally different and people creating the greatest companies in the world will say I did this because of impact theory like that's the metric that we will hold ourselves to mm-hmm. um, and they are people that when they encounter an obstacle they don't think to stop they go over under through around whatever they have a growth mindset and um, like Elon Musk the reason I use him is one I think that he's building companies that matter. Uh, so his companies are all mission-based, which is absolutely critical to what we're doing at Impact Theory. We are not interested in just making a quick buck. It's got to be a company that we really believe in, can get behind. We're passionate about, believe it's going to make the world a better place. I don't need it to, you know, sort of fundamentally change the world, but it needs to make the world a better place, at least incrementally better. Um, and ideally it would be, you know, some of the most important companies, um, and that they're not afraid to teach themselves something. So Elon Musk did not know rocket science. He didn't go to school for rocket science. Uh, his first company, uh, actually it wasn't his first company, but his second company was, um, eBay lies, PayPal. I don't know why I, those are, they share the same neuron in my brain. Uh, but he was one of the, the founders of PayPal. Um, and so it's just so impressive to me that he taught himself that he's doing the boring company. Now, if you guys know about that, where he's literally going to be, um, drilling underground and, uh, it's just, it because he doesn't want to sit in traffic. That's what he jokes about. I'm sure it's actually more tied to Hyperloop, but, um, he jokes that I'm so tired of sitting in traffic. I'm going to create a company called the boring company, uh, and we're going to bore. That's what we do. And he's, they have created this, um, boring machine that's apparently is 10 times faster than conventional tunnel uh, tunneling equipment. It's like. So we
0: can have like, subways in LA? Like you can have ones? whatever you want, like underground. <laughs> like,
1: but come on, like don't you wanna be that? Yeah. Like, I wanna be that and that anyway, that's gonna be the standard that we hold ourselves to. We wanna help those people. This all started because I used to work with kids in the inner city um, and at the beginning of Quest. So at the beginning of Quest, I've, I think I've told the story a lot, but I'll tell it one more time. Uh, I used to ask people the magic genie question. And I, oh God, I thought I was gonna get such different answers. So um, Magic Genie walks in, they're gonna grant you one wish and one wish only. You can't ask for like ending world hunger, curing cancer, bringing somebody back from the dead. It has to be something entirely for you. Can I ask for more wishes? What do you wish for? And most people said a job. Okay, they're saying job because they're there being interviewed and and that's what they want me to believe. I would get them past that. They would start, you know, then going on to money. And the amount of money that they would ask for was almost always a million dollars. Like, what? So that's such a spastic amount of money. Like that's so low. Um, after taxes, you know, you've got like five hundred thousand. It's like you can't, you can't even get a house in LA for five hundred thousand dollars. So it was just like it was. It showed me that there's a perspective problem. And I remember one time talking to this kid about what he wanted to do with his life. And, you know, he's like, I don't know. And, okay, well, what do you like? Um, I like art. Awesome. Like, what else? Uh, I like being high, not high, like high, but like elevation high. And so I'm like, cool. Like, how do we combine, you know, I'm thinking like murals or something. He's like, maybe I could be one of those guys that hangs up billboards. Hmm. Sorry, what? You want, like, that's the dream? And I'm not saying, like, that's a bad job, but wow, like, if that's your dream, if, like, that's the grandest, great, he was, like, 14, like, that's what you do when it's, like, I need something quick, I got to make ends meet, totally respect it, but, like, when that's your dream, like, your, your perspective, you're just not thinking big enough, you're not thinking, like, how far you could push your talents, what you could do, like, how could you impact change with loving heights and loving creating art, like, you know, how do we really do something that is going to, help improve somebody's life, do something, make it better. Like that, that just showed me that. And I I heard answers like that just over and over and over. Um, you've got to help people have a new perspective. And so that's, um, you know, what we want to do is we want to get kids believing that they could become the next Elon Musk, that they could be thinking outside the box, that they could have an idea like, I don't want to sit in traffic. And so I'm going to build a machine that bores under the ground. It's going to be 10 times faster. Or uh, I want to end the CO2 experiment that we're doing um, in the atmosphere. So I'm going to create an electric car, but I'm going to look at the truth of the market, which is that people want a sexy car. They don't want... Uh, a Prius, they want something that's really awesome. And that, you know, for right. all the reasons that we would like any other car, they'll like this one as well. Oh, and by the way, it happens to be electric. And that it's going to totally revolutionize the industry from a technology perspective, all that. So, yeah.
0: That's why. That's why.
1: And, 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 you guys know that they based Iron Man, Tony Stark, on not the comic book character, obviously, which has been around forever, but the movie yeah. incarnation was based on Elon Musk. Respect. Yeah. you know I'm obsessed with comics so there it is
0: that's amazing alright um, so I'm going to look for our final question I say, we, we must be near the end here yeah before we head out alright so this one comes from Alexandra what is the key factor when choosing guests for interviews like Moran Sir for example the only common feature that can be easily spotted in these are all self made successful people
1: That's one. I don't necessarily think of it as self-made, but I do think they need to have achieved some level of success. It needs to be something that inspires me. Uh, And really the thing that I hold is it's twofold. The truest answer is do I think it will add value to the community? Do I think you guys are going to be able to get something out of them? Um, Because I'll be honest, there are people that I've said yes to that – I'll say this: between Inside Quest, up through all the people that we've already said yes to but haven't even interviewed, in there somewhere, there have been people that didn't necessarily inspire me, um, but I thought that you guys would would derive tremendous value from them. And as long as I believe you guys can get value out of them, um, I will bring them on and I will crush that interview for you um that's that's the truest answer then there's the secondary thing where i really 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 try to bring people on that as i'm interviewing like or as i'm researching i'm really learning something and i'm like whoa like this is and even the people that when i said yes i wasn't necessarily inspired i really really try to find a way to connect like find something in their story that i may not have known about when i first said yes that i'm like whoa like this is actually really amazing um so yeah
0: Right. And that was our last one, right? That was our so, last question. Cool. But I just wanted to quick wrap up and let Justin Elcott and Alexandra Tomaskawa, um know that they have won our Facebook Live giveaway. Nice. Today.
1: Congratulations. Enjoy the powerful book that is coming your way. Um, all right, cool. Well, that's it for today. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I love doing these, it's so much fun. I love answering your questions. Um, so keep them coming, pour them in anytime. Does not have to be just during this. We collect all the questions that people give us socially. We aggregate them. We answer them here. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, be legendary. And
0: don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes.
1: Oh yeah, there it is. And And that's how you can be legendary. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends.